we're here with another episode of Conversations and Connections. We're the official podcast of the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. I'm Stuart Burson, the Prevention Coordinator for the agency. Uh, glad you could join us today. Thanks for downloading today, Matt Craven. He is probably one of the newest members of uh, our team here at the Family Crisis Center. He's uh, one of our crisis counselors. Um, Matt, thank you. Oh, my pleasure. I didn't know if you'd be uh, if you'd be ready or not oh, to yeah, uh, to talk on the podcast. How long have you been here now? Uh, started on May third. Was the first day. So okay. a little over four months. Okay. Okay. So you've been here for for a while a now. Months. Yeah. Math maybe off right off the top of my head, but not so, a few months. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess as the one of the newest members, at least of, of our on our counseling staff, um, what's been the experience like so far? It's been great. Um, definitely a learning experience. Uh, just kind of with any new job, getting acclimated and yeah, trying to figure out where everything is and who to talk to for what. <laughs> um, but as far as the actual counseling work, um, it's been pretty uh, wonderful um, to be able to get in there and talk with people and really see what their worldview and experiences have been and kind of help them get to where they want to eventually be. Yeah. So is this your first gig as uh, as far as counseling goes uh... after post uh, graduate work yes okay uh, we have to do two separate internships before we even get to this um, yeah. there's a lot of gates you got to get through before you get there and and this is kind of the final gate before they really you're free to have complete 100 percent autonomy um and this which is that like about that 18 months of supervision okay um under supervisor and it's this, but yeah, this is my first postgraduate uh, work or post, po I guess you say post postgraduate because we, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, but it's been great. It's been exciting. Um, some of the first clients I had were some of the most, you know, when I was least, the moments you were least expecting it. And uh, yeah, I was just surprised at, you know, cause it'd been a moment since I had seen anyone between internship and things. I took a little bit of time off to, you know, take mm -hmm. certifications and stuff. And it, uh, just all came, it came back like muscle memory. And, uh, I don't know why, how or how, but uh, I just, cause I'm not usually like this outside of the counseling, but I had just like this, the first patient, the first client I had, I just had this Zen like calm, come over me and it just kind of all came back like muscle memory yeah because the moment you freak out there of course they're well i was gonna say too. that's probably very beneficial for oh, the yeah. client you know because you know god only knows what they've been go what they've been going through and, and what they're kind of carrying with them yes. and i'm sure it's very beneficial to have the person on the other side of the desk having the yeah. as you call it the, the zen peace <laughs> yeah you know. and you have to and you have to really clean the slate because you really do need to be there to attend to them and and that was the moment i think that was something i really experienced when i had the first person in there and um it was not a planned scheduled visit so that's another instance and uh trying to protect everyone's confidentiality of course so it just uh was not scheduled um and I was just happy that yeah. I was there and I was available and had the opportunity. Um, 
but it was very unexpected. So it was kind of exciting and nervous. But then the moment you get in there, it was, um, it was really yeah, something else. So. Yeah. You know, w- w- one of the things I'm interested to, to ask you is, you know, probably the majority of our, of the clients we serve are female. Mm-hmm. Um, being a, a man, uh, talking to female clients about domestic violence issues or whatever they've gone through, uh, sexual assault or whatever. How do you, f- how does the client, how do you believe the client feels about that? If you're a woman and you're a survivor of uh, a domestic violence situation or sexual assault situation and, uh, you do need counseling and you're, you're, you're talking to a man, how, how receptive are they to that? Um, in my experience so far, some of them have been pretty open about it. Uh, they want to move forward and no matter whatever that may take, if it's with a male or female counselor, okay. and then there are some exceptions to that where some clients will not say it outright. Um, I had contact with one client who was not, she just was not being transparent about exactly wanting a female counselor, but the longer we talked, it came out and it's like, okay, that's fine. Um, and I respect that, but I'll be honest. I was very apprehensive about becoming a counselor at working with, with people just like, what business do I have helping doing that? But you know, the more I thought about it and I had some similar experiences like this in my intern, my last internship, I said, why not me? You know, maybe this could be a really big therapeutic moment to have a positive male role model exactly. with, um, with the clients and have that be a turning point to show them mm-hmm. that not all men are evil or want to harm you. Um, some actually may want to help. Yeah. Some may, you know, be form future relationships, friendships, uh, partnerships, what have you. So... I think it could be a really pivotal pivotal moment for uh, some of our clients. Well, and that's kind of how being a man doing prevention work, mm-hmm. I think that's what sometimes even kind of excites me a little bit about doing the prevention work to say, hey, look, you know, not all men exhibit the toxic masculinity right. traits and the... Uh, the, and, and all of that, look, you know, I'm, I'm a man, but I can still tell you how to be respectful mm-hmm. and how to, uh, check that man card at the door. And, um, because the majority of people in prevention work are female, you know, just mm-hmm. from my experience going to conventions and conferences and, and things like that. So I kind of feel the same way. I think it's almost refreshing to see a man in this yeah. line of work to show that, Hey, not all men, it may be a man because of the reason you're here, but not all men are going to be that way. Yeah, exactly. So that's cool. I know you probably haven't seen just a ton of clients yet, but, and you don't even have to maybe go on just your experience here, but, um, with the clients you have seen, has there been a, a commonality when you're looking at survivors of domestic violence. 
they're very tired, uh, physically, uh, mentally, just completely fatigued. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, the common question, you know, you hear, you hear counselors on television stuff. They say like, how do you feel? Or how does that make you feel? And I try to avoid that as much as I can because <laughs> right. I don't want to be, you know, your stereotypical counselor because that's how most people see and per, uh, perceive counseling. So I really just try to find my own way of saying it. And I'm just like, how are you doing? And mm-hmm. more often than not, one of the answers I get is that I'm tired and I can sense it. And then you say it. And even when you say that, like, think about the word, it almost is like an onomatopoeia. Like you just hear like their whole, like this shroud come down, like from yeah. their, like head to their shoulders and just like something just hits you. And I, I empathize with that because, you know, this is a very exhausting, mentally exhausting job. So sure. that's kind of an opportunity where we can explore those feelings and talk about, you know, where those come from and what would it be like if you weren't tired? What would that, how would it feel? Um, what would it mean for you? And then we have something kind of to begin working towards and finding a way to change that. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, has there been anything that's opened your eyes about survivors of domestic violence or sexual assault since you've started working here? I know you're a, a, a trained counselor. Uh, you, you know, you are licensed. So I'm sure there's nothing that, well, I don't know. I may be wrong. There may have been something that has surprised you. Uh, but has, was there anything maybe you've encountered that you wasn't expecting or is that, if that makes, if that question makes sense, yeah. if you know what I'm asking. As far as things I wasn't expecting. Um, or something so, you may have realized, you know, or have opened something that opened your eyes about this world. I think it's a great question. I want to say that, anybody you know can be a victim or of domestic violence sexual mm-hmm. assault and i want to try to stray away from using the word victim because right. it's stigmatizing yeah. but and so, i still catch myself doing yeah. that we try to say survivor if yes, we can me too right. um so about the survivors you know they could be literally anyone um it can be any age group any um uh socioeconomic status it literally could be anyone um Often we hear about, you know, like people say when we go out and do like prevention or capacities or things like that, this doesn't happen here. Well, it does. It just isn't reported or you don't know about it. Yeah. And uh, it, it really can happen to anyone. Um, some populations are more stricken than others, unfortunately. But it that, I think, is the thing that really has been eye-opening that it could be anyone, any, any age. That's the, I think the, the biggest thing it's that sure. there's just been such a broad spectrum of, uh, age groups that I've seen since I've been working. Well, so speaking of that, have, have you had the opportunity to, or have you counseled any children or kids since you've been here? Uh, some, uh, not too many, uh, because, you know, now they're going back to school and right. the availability is a lot more difficult. But uh, there have been some. And 
those are the ones that are kind of they hit the hardest um, when you are done. It's you're like you have to be very mo- mindful of like what you're feeling in the moment, and then process that immediately so you yeah. don't take it home with you. Uh, right. I uh, of those I've seen like those are the ones that I think that are the most challenging uh, for me because it's children and they don't have a lot of autonomy or things or control over their immediate world. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I have seen a few um, and that's, and I, and I enjoyed them for the most part, uh, but it can be uh, very challenging. Yeah. To say yeah, the least. sure. What is it about counseling that, um, that you've really that you enjoy the most? I really enjoy watching people change um, from the moment that they come into uh, a session from the initial one, um, being very apprehensive for reasons that, you know, we discussed, like not wanting to talk to a male counselor, Mm -hmm. um, which I usually will address right away because we don't want to, spend time in counseling if you're not comfortable because they may not they they may be they may not want to hurt your feelings right right, and say that but then at the same time then they may not open up like they should right about a lot of things yeah it's an it's a very ironic concept you know you have to be get comfortable to then get uncomfortable yeah with these thoughts and feelings that you have or have yet to express and then find some middle ground in between all of that. Mm -hmm. So it's really amazing to watch people change and grow and transform, whether they go what direction, no matter what direction they go in, um, no matter what happens within counseling or how they apply it outside of counseling, which is where a lot of it really happens. Um, This is kind of, they kind of, this is like the, the home base, right? And then you go out and you do recon and you figure out what's work, what works for you, what doesn't, and then uh, you come back and we talk about it again and we regroup. Mm-hmm. But that's the, I think, the most exciting thing about what about what we do. Okay. Excellent. So are you from here? I am not, no. Where are you from? Uh, that's a loaded question. Um, oh, oh, I sound like you're a little uh, reluctant to yeah. uh, divulge. Well, that. it's like, it's just that I've, I grew up, so I grew up in South Carolina in a rural town, probably the size of a local town here in, in East Texas, in Angelina County. And then I moved from there. Uh, when I was 16, I moved to Florida right before I graduated from high school. And I did everything I needed to do in order to qualify for in-state tuition. So I stayed there for a few more years. Um, then after that, I moved home uh, again, back to South Carolina Lived there for about six months, then went to Maine, <laughs> lived there for another three, uh, and then I moved to Pennsylvania for another three. Uh, <laughs> wow, then, okay. Then, ho- hold on, and then my sister got married, and that move brought us back to Florida, and then I came to Texas uh, for a few months, and at that point, you know, like a, a lot of our clients, I was tired, and I just decided I needed some roots. You needed, yeah. And then kind of everything came together for me with finding a job, uh, meeting my now wife, 
um, I didn't know, which I didn't know at the time. And just uh, living in Houston and then eventually going back to school for okay. my master's. Where'd you go to school? Where'd you get your degree? Uh, so my undergrad was from South Florida. Okay. Uh, it was in education. And uh, I taught for a decent amount of time. I enjoyed it some. I don't know if I know. I don't, I don't know if you've ever told me that. Okay. Oh, yeah. I used to be a school teacher. Uh, I did... It was an interesting, I, it was a very broad or crooked path to, uh, through education. First, I started teaching um, outdoor education, which was in the environment and the woods and teaching kids all about science um, through nature. And then we also did fun stuff like we took kids on the zip line and the rock wall, which was something I really enjoyed. So did you teach high school, middle school? So that was like all ages. I've taught oh, okay. literally, I've worked with all ages of children from elementary all the way up to high school. What did you teach? What subject? Uh, I taught last, most recently I taught uh, middle school math, seventh grade math. Okay. And then I also did a long-term substitute job kind of in between teaching jobs uh, as a science and American history, um, two separate assignments. And then I also did sixth grade social studies, uh, sixth grade ELA, <laughs> just kind of all over. Yeah, more power to you, the middle schools. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a challenging yeah. uh, that's a challenging age group. Well, what made you decide to pursue counseling? I'd always thought about becoming a counselor uh, after I graduated from high school, or not high school, excuse me, from uh, undergrad. I was very interested. And the idea, but I just didn't have the financial means to, to do that. I was always told I was a good listener, um, but I didn't really know what to say beyond that. Uh, so that was something that I, you know, being the youngest of three siblings or four siblings and having three older sisters, there was a lot to listen to. And I, uh, Kind of another side skill. I learned empathy. Um, got really in tune with feeling, like people's feelings. I guess through that uh, whole experience growing up with that uh, amount of sisters, and uh, I just always thought about counseling. But I didn't have the means right away out outside of uh, college, out of college. So I taught for a long time, and I never thought about. I just kind of put it away. I just thought about it. It was just like kind of a afterthought. Yeah. And then. Um, the more I got invested in teaching and when I started becoming a full-time teacher from that transition from the outdoor education stuff to into a classroom, I just saw so many needs from these kit for these children that were not being met. And I was just thinking, going home every day saying, there's no way we can help these kids learn because they have, so much going on in the within the home that yeah. is just impossible makes it impossible for them to focus and that's really what made me entertain more than just meeting those uh, exterior and external needs outside of the uh, classroom as a school counselor and then i learned more about what school counselors do and some of the challenges they face and i realized uh they're going to end up in a place some of these nonprofits like our local mental health authorities and decided maybe this is not the best path. Um, but 
Uh, so I decided to switch in my middle and masters. I switched from school counseling to me- clinical mental health counseling, and I couldn't have been happier um, because that's where you really get to do like the real work. When yeah. There are no other distractions. You're not working around other schedules, and you can just be like in the moment with um, those clients, whether it is kids or adults. And that's the from once I was working in school. Those schools, uh, I got burnt out. I was just like, I took a sabbatical. I found other ways to work with kids. I just did some things that I enjoyed. Just uh, had some random odd jobs. I uh, worked for the parks department as a rec assistant. And I also um, worked at a retro video game store, which was a lot of fun. But uh, I realized once I kind of grow, grew as far as I could in those jobs, I decided, you know, it's time to look into something else. Yeah. So I revisited the counseling and uh, I decided, you know, we can do this now. There was a program here uh, in Nacogdoches and uh, I said, let's not far away. That's not terrible. We could make this work. Mm -hmm. And I interviewed with uh, Dr. Selmanson and Dr. Larson, who uh, is unfortunately no longer with us, and Dr. Castillo. And uh, it was a great experience. And I got, I found out right away that, you know, they wanted to accept me into the program, uh, but under school, as a school counselor, under school counseling. But the longer I was in it, the more I got, they got to know me and I knew them, you know, they decided, you know, maybe it might be better if you were to switch to I jumped around there a little bit, but yeah. uh, I uh, that's kind of how I ended up becoming this, who where I am now. Yeah. Um, it was okay. a pretty long and winding path, but uh, okay. I really do feel that I'm where I need to be. Yeah, well, well, Matt, I wish you a, a long and happy career here at the Family Crisis Center. And again, I appreciate you... Um, being a willing participant uh, oh, of course. Uh, on, on the podcast today. Matt Craven, he's uh, one of our uh, clinical counselors here at the agency, uh, the, the newest one that we have. And uh, again, thanks a lot, Matt. All right. Thank Appreciate you for having it. me. Uh, if you have any questions about what you've heard today, you can email us. Our email address for the podcast is conversationsandconnections at FCCET.com. Also, if you feel like you need our services, if you feel like you need uh, services from the Family Crisis Center, we do have a a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week hotline. That number is 1-800-828-7233. And give us a subscribe. If uh, you like what you hear, uh, be sure to subscribe. You can subscribe to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or pretty much any podcast service of your choice. And remember, be the voice, if not for you, for someone else.